0: It, sound, it sounds so dumb, but it, we, we and not even dumb. It's just they're simple things, right? It's to build a great customer experience is not doing a bunch of hard things. It's doing a lot of little easy things the
1: right way. Hey, welcome back. In this episode of Seven Figure Music School, we're welcoming back Brady, the owner of The Piano Place in Utah. If you recall, he was on a little bit ago and did a five for five with us. In this episode, we're going to look at how to create great customer service across a large team in multiple locations. And obviously, there are implications for everyone here, whether you're a multi-site school, multi-teacher school, or it's just you. Uh, this is an area of strength for Brady, so we wanted to bring him back on to talk about this. Now, we often think of how to create great education for students, how to make lessons fun for the students or studio, a lot of times I think we pay far less attention to the real customer in our studio, the parents. Not a lot of time is spent on them when it comes to the idea of customer experience. In fact, a lot of times what I've noticed is when we talk about the parents in the studio, it's how to deal with them, how to get them to do what we want. We talk about problem parents, and, and that's kind of the dialogue, the discourse around really the real mm. customer. Um, And we don't talk about their experience as a customer. So we're going to spend time today focusing on this neglected topic. And Brady, let's just start with a simple question. What's your definition of the term customer experience?
0: Yeah, I think it's so true. And you hit it right on the head there, Daniel. I think it's so funny to see how many studios, especially ones that I've interacted with or talked to people, it's like there's this weird like, fog as to who really your customer is right they kind of mix the student and the, the parent and i love how you started out there and said yeah straight up it is the parent right it's it's not the student um for us i think customer experience to define it in a nutshell is doing i, I think it's doubling and tripling down on those things that your customers love about you
1: as a brand mm. Mm. Can you elaborate? I like that, but th- it yeah. feels like there's a lot underneath that. Yeah, oh there is. Yeah, there's a lot
0: of layers to it. Um, you know, it's funny. I it, me being I I think my, my my background, you know, I I wasn't I'm not a musician. Uh I didn't really grow up in the environment of taking lessons. I didn't uh, you know, I I didn't go to college for it. I didn't do anything um with that. I was I I got a business degree and whatever. And I, you know, for one of the first things as as my wife and I kind of set out to to create the piano place was i think what we do to every other studio owner does is we we started looking at other schools' websites their their policies, how they operated you know how they treated their customers and and i my my wife brings a whole other skill set that I don't have but what was funny was when she when we'd look at it originally, she was kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, treat your customer, you know, kind <laughs> of you know, enable or enact these super strict policies, you know, put your customer in handcuffs a little bit here. No, no problem. That's how the music industry works. And to me, every single time we go to these websites, I'd be like, What? <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's the policy? That's how that's how uh, they operate, that's how they treat their customers. And so when I say double and tripling down on what your customers love about you, um I mean you need to really understand and know who your customer is, what are their primary goals, what are they wanting to achieve by taking lessons at your studio? Uh what is it that they love? You know, what what are the things that you're doing right? And uh as you kind of go on this journey of figuring those things out, everything you do should be built upon those pillars of what your your parents your customers love
2: Mm.
1: Mm. can you give a concrete example of that maybe something that you do different than maybe a lot of other studios or something that you do different now compared to what you did at the beginning of your journey
0: yeah so i remember we were probably you know i think from the get-go me and my, my wife and i would always butt heads and it wasn't and again my wife is an amazing musician she's she was the whole visionary behind the piano place and everything that got started there. But we would sometimes butt heads on some of these policies and some of these little things, or, or not even policies, it, it, it included policies, but how the studio ran, some of our operations um, all across the board there. And so what was interesting uh, as we you know, started to build our studio and as we started to uh, you know, implement this was, I think, the first time we, or I guess we saw other companies that would do this, is we, we implemented a survey system. And when we saw these companies, you know, these other companies do it, we're like, okay, yeah, we should probably start doing this. We should probably see what our parents like. I remember when we first made that survey, we were terrified. We were probably about two years into our business. We were terrified to ask for feedback um about how we were doing because obviously as a music school owner some every day you're dealing with you know different problems different issues and you just don't want to hear it you didn't want to hear what was going right what was going wrong but i i think any school could benefit from being a constant survey company you know so for us we do it about once a quarter where we survey all of our um And we do the net promoter score method. So uh, for those of you who don't know, it's you know how likely are you to recommend this studio to a friend? And our scale is one to three. So not likely, meh is like number two, and then highly likely is number three. And then so that, that kind of sets the basis for the survey, right? It sets the basis for what you're looking for, who, where those people are at on that scale. And then we have follow-up questions. And and these, you know, for the most part, they stay the same. Sometimes, you know, for specific studios or specific instances, we might change some of these questions, but we'll ask similar questions. You know, how do you feel about your, your teacher, you know, and, and ask similar questions. You know, do you feel at the piano place, our main mantra is making more than musicians. How do you feel that we're doing in that mission for you? Um, as a parent, what are your top three on this list of 10 priorities that you're looking to have out of music lessons and so for us as we've gotten bigger we've gotten more data and it when we do that it becomes abundantly clear as we look at our you know our brand champions the people who love the piano place what they love about it and how we can double and triple down on those things that they do love about
2: it we just completed our nps survey yeah um literally last week and we're going through the results now as a team Um, So love that you do a version of yours. And I especially love your level up, which is a few follow-up questions. And primarily that last one, dude, where you say, you know, what are your top three goals? What do you want to get out of music lessons? So I'm curious because you open this whole answer on customer experience, which is like, figure out what the parents want to achieve through music lessons. So, what have you learned? Like, give us your, when you're sitting as a team, what have you learned and decided? Cause you're not going to deliver promise on like 12 different things, Yeah, but you probably have like two or three where you're like, let's not screw these up because our brand ambassadors are just like, they are loving this piece. Can you share what, what the piano place is doing particularly well?
0: Yeah, totally. And it's funny you say that, you know, it's, it's, I think as musical owners, we fall into that trap too, where we hear one piece of feedback, right? From one person. Totally. And, and we get blinders on and that is it, right? Where this is where we're messing up, you know, that that one person didn't like this one thing, and it might even be someone that you you really do trust and and love and they say that to you and nothing else matters, right? And <laughs> you shove your your net promoters to the side and, yeah, and yeah, you're, 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 they're <laughs> all detractors. You've just you're failing. <laughs> Yeah, totally. You know, one, you know, it's so funny. We get one call from, you know, and for us, our first studio was in the city we lived in. So and both my wife and I grew up, happened to grow up in the city. So we'd hear these people, you know, they'd say something to us and it would be someone we knew growing up. And it would ruin, it would ruin our day, it ruin our week, <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> and it would seriously set us back from focusing on really what is the most important is is those and obviously there's merit. There's merit to you know receiving constructive feedback that way. You definitely want that. And there's we could do a whole episode on that, honestly, but um focusing on your net promoters and again doubling down and tripling down on what that is. So for us, and, and I'll I'll start with this too, is you know. There's so many, you know, there's different types of music schools out there, right? There's, a, you know, there's ones that it's all about groups and performing in groups, right? You're, you know, you're part of a group. You have policies mm-hmm. associated that you, you're the lead guitarist in that, in your band class. You need to make sure you're there and et cetera. The, and the parents wanted that. They signed up for that. There's ones there where you're you're teaching maybe, you know, kinder music and you have this, you know, here in utah i feel like we have some large studios here of of people that just teach kinder music yeah and um that might be a whole other thing a whole other priority so i can only speak to our customer base and what we found with how we teach and and what we go after is uh you know our, our main mantra as a company and this kind of i think encompasses a lot of what our parents are looking for and i think what a lot of music teachers main passion is is making more than musicians and so i think that's at its core is why for our customers that's why they sign up with us is they you know we tout that across our website across our advertising across you know everything that we do teaching wise um is that you should do music lessons because of the actual benefits that come from it yeah, you might not, I mean, we've, we've had people get scholarships and we've had people go on and do amazing things um, as adults through music, but you also might just be an investment banker. <laughs> you, you might, you know, but you're going to get these amazing skills. And so our parents, that's across the board in some form or fashion. That's number one every single time is why they, they sign up for music lessons with us.
2: What, hype? What, just let's get hyper-specific. So the NPS survey says, what are your three goals? And you say, we make more than musicians. So essentially, I'm translating that as a dad, like, oh, you're going to give Pearl, my daughter, some life skills. But what are those specific life skills that a parent writes in that box on the survey that you then take back to the 180 teachers and say... Or Daniel, do you have another framing on that? Yeah, it might not
1: even be life skills. It might just be what are those goals? Like I'm sure everyone listening is, has been asking for the last five minutes, what are the top three that, that yeah. people say that they want?
0: Yep. So from a, I, I, it falls on two, two sides of it. So I'll talk about the first part. So we list kind of those, those life skills. So for our, you know, for our parents, the, the top ones consistently are the, the ability to receive positive, and negative criticism. You know, isn't it funny that in today's day and age, you know, kids are on their phones, they're at home, you know, being, that, that whole aspect of, you know, being accountable to another adult um, with, with playing an instrument and, you know, saying you're going to do things and delivering on those promises is amazing. You know, um, it's definitely a high up there too is having a life skill that you can use to serve other people with. Is one of our mm. things, um, so you know, people. It, it's so, which is so awesome with music, right? It's again, I go back to that. You don't have to be in the music industry to continually share that gift of music that you have in your life, right? Um, I mean, that's that's more often the case than not. Uh, so that's one of the top ones. Um, what I think, and this this is definitely one of the tops too, is is to be goal oriented. Um, to have, you know, experience what it is to set a goal, you know, I'm gonna play this hard piece, and then to go out there and achieve it um, is amazing. Uh, performance anxiety, getting in front of people, you know, those all kind of fall to, towards the top of the list every single time. And then, and maybe this transitions to the next part, but we ask them, what are you looking for <laughs> as a parent from how we deliver our operation to you? And um, these are kind of more of the, what our, our parents and family are looking for specifically. They, they're looking for flexibility um, in their schedules, right? Think about your customer, right? Uh, if we're saying it's not the student and it's the parent, right, they're usually out in the car with Cheeto dust in the air, <laughs> you know, kids with soccer cleats kicking the back of your seat screaming, you know, they need some flexibility. They need some efficiency uh And so we found, you know, when we have, especially when we have multiple kids in a family taking from us at once, they love the fact that at the piano place they can drop off their two or three kids and in a half hour, forty-five minutes, depending on their lesson length, they're out of there and they're back. You know, uh, someone coming to their house can't do that. They're going to be at their house all day, and they're going to be, you know. So, anyways,
2: that and that part's interesting to me, but. I want to move back to um, something you said on the previous episode, your five for five, where you were talking about how you develop teachers and how proud you guys are as a team of developing your teachers. And I want to link it to these survey results of what the parents say. Um, Can you give us some, yeah, some concrete ways in how you take these results from the, and how do the directors take these results and then Share them with 180 teachers that, you're, that are all working at the multiple locations. And then, how do you assess whether or not the teachers are actually even doing anything with this? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I'll give this this, is, this has been super, uh, this has been a trial and error thing over the years. Um, we do performance reviews with our teachers, um, and we, we take these survey results uh, because they do come in various times throughout the year. Um, and we do keep an accurate list of our, our teachers, so they're able to select who their teacher is. And um, we keep a, we do the same thing on the teacher end. So we do kind of a studio net promoter score, we do a teacher net promoter score, um, and have some you know different things aligned there. And then we also open it up at the end. It's it's an optional question where you can just leave direct feedback and comments um, for your teacher. Um, so we do we do our performance reviews we do them twice a year um our studio directors who are our managers of each location uh they sit down with all of our employees and they go over some of our our all of our some of our teachers uh key performance indicators and one of those is your net promoter score as a teacher and go over those survey results we keep it completely anonymous um and we, we'd let our parents know that as we take the, the surveys. Um, but we share those results with our teachers so they can see it. And what's been fun is we, I think we've really built a really good attitude around, hey, you know, some, you're not going to hit it out of the park with every single parent every single time. Um, but overall, are you doing awesome? In most cases, yes, right? So where where can we get better here? What did, what did you see from your survey results as a teacher that you think that you could do better. And so that's a great time during these performance reviews to sit down, set some goals and to have both the, our our studio directors and our teachers be on the same page as to what that direction is for that teacher. Um, And then we follow up through subsequent observations um, through subsequent surveys um, and other feedback Uh, and touch points with our our directors as to how things are going on that journey towards, you know, getting better in this area.
2: Yeah, I really appreciate that. I want to link it. I always want to link it back to the topic here, which is customer experience and defining the customer as the parent. And I'm curious, Daniel, pinging it back to you when you hear that kind of response around survey results and performance reviews, uh any thoughts on your end about how we can link it back to how does the parent know that there's effort being put into their experience through the teacher and i'm just yeah i'm just wondering what questions you might have daniel around sticking with this idea as the parent holding the purse strings being the ultimate decision maker given what we've learned so far i mean
1: i'm going to ping that over to brady like how do you how do you see it how do you see it showing up in your studio? Basically what Nate just said.
0: Yeah. You know, tying it back to the parent and showing that we're making improvements. You know, sometimes in those surveys, right, there's something that comes up that is sensitive, right? That it it might require, hey, me as the owner, we or we need to be aware of this, that what's happening, at least from a management level and making those changes. And sometimes that does need to be reported back to the parent. Hey, thank you for your feedback. I really appreciate that. We're going to fix this right now. And that that might be more on the studio level um, as opposed to the teachers. However, I do know, you know, teachers that have, you know, close enough of a relationship with their parents that they feel like, hey, I saw that. I saw some survey stuff. And even though it's anonymous, they might kind of gather, okay, this might've been coming from this person. And so sometimes they'll, they'll, they might even be the ones that reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm working on this. Thank you. Or or even subconsciously, they know with this student, I need to do this different um, with it. So yeah. we've done it both ways. Sometimes we, we and it kind of is alternated. We've done it sometimes where it's completely anonymous um, or we say we give them the option to not be anonymous on it, um, which is great for sharing, too. So you can kind of do both ways
2: on it for sure. It's interesting. We don't ours are never anonymous. You know, we want to know, and and right now I'm faced with that list. You know, we have a whole bunch of promoters, and then we have some detractors. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of brutal the way the NPS does it, because anyone other than a "you're the best thing that's ever happened in my life" is a detractor. Yeah, and so <laughs> so so there I have I've got my call list, and our, my intent is to is to, you know, of course we reach out and say book a call with Native for follow up. But you know, they don't necessarily do that, so I want to be more proactive. I'm curious on your end, you get these results. I mean every quarter that's that's pretty frequent, especially at the scale of your program. Mm-hmm. Um, do you specifically make sure that you're talking to those parents that are detractors, or is someone on the team specifically block booking time in their life every quarter to talk to detractors?
0: Yeah, yeah, so we do it. We on the on the studio level, especially if it's it on those detractors and seeing what's happening we try to take immediate action you know if they if if it appears hey they're not satisfied with with this teacher it's just not working out and we've touched base with the teacher as well after those meetings then we have a system kind of where we're able to flag that and we will have you know someone on management typically the studio directors reach out and be like hey you know we we have Other teachers in the studio here too. Why don't we give you a trial lesson with this teacher? You want to make a switch, you know? It might not be working out. And that's and that happens, you know. Sometimes it's it's not your teacher's fault per se, and it's not the parents' fault per se. This is a definitely a a very personalized individual business. And sometimes you making a change can be a really good thing for people. Sometimes they just don't jive
1: Running a music school can be a challenge. You can only see so many students per week and it feels like you're trading time for dollars. Margins are small and you're always looking for qualified teaching staff. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way to see more students in less time while maintaining high educational standards for your school? Well, now you can with Piano Express from grouplessons.com. Piano Express is a new way to teach group piano, one that seamlessly combines a new innovative group method technology and industry leading teacher training to make it easier and more profitable than ever to start group lessons in your studio. Piano Express allows you to see 12 students per hour per teacher and over a decade of testing has shown that the gamified curriculum significantly increases student practice times and studio retention. To help you get started the Piano Express method has a training course for you and your team. It's included when you use the system in your studio. Most schools can get their first class up and running in just a few weeks. So visit grouplessons.com to sign up for a free demo or use our calculator to see how much money your school can save each month by using Piano Express. Going back to the big picture, One of the very first questions i asked was you know how do you define customer experience and then we talked about one like give me an example of that because i always like to connect the abstract with the the real world example and so we've talked about surveys um and there's nothing wrong with that obviously but there's there are probably three dozen things that you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we don't want this just to become an episode about surveying your customers. Totally. Again, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I want to pull back out and say like, and and ask you, like, are is there, can you just give like, without explanation, like, and this might be a tall order. I don't know. You tell me. But uh-huh. like, yeah, we do this. We do this. We do this. Like, these are all manifestations of this importance that we put on customer experience, especially as it relates to, making the parents really happy because with the survey you're learning from them how they're thinking. Yeah. But then that's turned into to actual real world, measurable, tangible actions that you've done. And I just like to hear like a laundry list of what some of those things that you do now as compared to what other studios or schools do or what you did early on. So I'm curious, do you feel like, do you feel like you have that list just like off the top of yes. your head, you could rattle something. Oh some yeah, letter? absolutely.
0: Yeah. So Again, so I use that kind of as the base point, right? You kind of, you figure out, I I think that's the number one though, is going back and knowing who your customer is, right? Knowing as much as you can about them, what they're looking for. But then I think, and this is so unique with our industry, right? Um, I think about, you know, think about, and I'll even go to like personal services industry, right? Think about like a personal trainer. Their customer is with them every single day Right there, the person who's paying them is getting trained by them at the gym, et cetera. We're different, right? Our customer's in the car (laughs) outside waiting to pick them up. So I think, I mean, so vital to this is to understand where, what are those key points in the customer's journey with you, right? Where you have a chance to interact with them face to face. You know, and, and there truly aren't, you know, in the course of you think about how often the students are being dropped off, you know, every single week, there truly aren't that many opportunities where you are face to face. So maximizing those chances or those, those opportunities where you are face to face with your customer is absolutely vital. So let me start with the first example from the, from the get go, right? When, and it can go even so far back as to when you talk to them on the phone and, Sell them into your your studio or your trial lesson or whatever, but and we can do stuff on that. But I one thing that we obsessed over at Piano Place and we still do is making that first day that a student comes in with their parent, the customer, that that studio walk through with the new student and that experience top notch, where they love it. Right, um, that is your opportunity to seriously set a foundation with that customer that will last a lifetime is having an excellent walk through first lesson, everything. So, so much, so it, it goes down to we focus on every single one of our studios has a, we have um, an administrator at the front desk. So they, t- they are looking at their list of new students coming that day. They're texting them, you know, before those lessons, uh, even though they probably got a reminder text through our software they're texting them and saying, "Hi, my name is X. So excited to meet you today. We're so excited to work with you and your family. Just FYI, here's a picture of our, our studio and the map of how to get there. You know, sometimes we you know we have various locations. And, you know, some of them might be in different spots or whatever. So here's how to get here. Here's what to expect. XYZ. Um, so that starts before they walk in the door. Then they walk in the door and we we do a fun like." where we have a, a, a board, like a chalkboard thing at our front desk that says, welcome. And like somehow all of our, our front desk admin can do cursive way better than me, but beautiful cursive. They say, welcome, you know, Andrew, welcome, Maddie, whatever the student's name is. And obviously that's great for the student. It makes them feel good. But as a parent, you can see that, hey, we went above and beyond to say, hey, this is special that you're coming in here today. Um, we have a whole kind of walkthrough of our studio and we train our front desks on this time after time again, to walk through our studios. We show them the room, show them the room that they'll be in. Cause their teacher might be in a lesson. Um, when they get there, we encourage them to come 15 minutes early, kind of check it out. And then we do that walkthrough and then they come to the front desk, uh, sit down with us at the front desk there. And we have some materials and we, and our front desk right there. and then talks about the journey that a musician goes through and talks about how hey you might be in the honeymoon phase here for the first couple weeks where it's like oh cool yeah yeah i can play middle c on the piano now i can you know find these different things and then all of a sudden it's going to get hard and you're going to be you're going to hate practicing you're going to hate all this stuff you know or not we don't use the word hate but it's going to become difficult right And there's gonna be a little bit of some friction there um, that might pop up uh, after the honeymoon stage is over, but here's why you wanna stick with it. And we remind the customers kind of and and talk about together, you know, what is it? Why are you doing this? Um, Why are you doing these lessons? What do you envision at the end? And we ask them straight up, what do you wanna achieve at the end of your musical journey here with us? And we write it down right there pass that over to the teacher when they go into their lesson. And their teacher uses that as a basis to talk to them. And we have a little bit of a conversation. And then the teacher might spend, you know, the last 15 minutes of that lesson actually teaching some stuff and jumping into the stuff. But the first 15 minutes or so is kind of reviewing that journey as well and talking about how together we're going to make this happen and make it excellent. So sorry, that was a lot. And that's just one interaction. You know, I can go, there's, you think about it, there's other times too, and I'll just list them quickly, but think your recitals are the same way, right? That's your next biggest and greatest. And I, we actually, in my budgets, we consider recitals a marketing expense um, because it is, it's exactly it. It's, it's word of mouth, right? You're creating an excellent, awesome opportunity in front of your parents and your students, your teachers, your staff. Um, and to make that opportunity awesome for the students but also, awesome for the parents is so vital for that, so um, and I could jump into that in a second, but maybe I'll pause there because <laughs> I'm sure there's questions or follow up questions. Uh,
1: perhaps so, but I do think you know, if we just spent the next thirty minutes with us you just listing off things that you do in different areas of the business, I'd be a hundred percent fine with that because okay. these are all things that people. And I think they're pretty self-explanatory. I don't think yeah I don't think anybody listening has questions about this sort of thing. Like I think the concrete examples people hear that and they think, oh wow. I could do that. I never thought to do that. Like what's other stuff that you all do in other areas? I mean, do you do anything special with your invoicing that makes that a more plus experience? Do you have ways that you communicate your makeup policies or do you have them? Like what are, yeah, just more things that you do where you've been thoughtful about the customer experience.
2: Yeah. And maybe Brady along those lines, pick up right where you left off. You said, make the recital awesome for parents. How do you make it awesome for parents?
1: Yeah. That's great.
0: Yeah. So, This is, and my team laughs at me, but I, I, I obsess over the recitals. Like when I know when it's even six months out, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to make this an unreal experience? And, you know, for me, it started when my, when my wife, she, when, even before we started the piano place, she had like 70 or 80 students in her house. And I remember we'd go to the local, um, whatever performance venue and these recitals and, and it just we were just naive I mean we were in our early 20s didn't know much but gee, we'd have like two and a half hour long recitals um but that's what I find you know that's kind of the norm a lot of schools do that and it was all piano at, at that time right she, my, my wife's primarily a piano teacher I would sit back there and I was dying, like, you
2: know? <laughs> and you I love the kids.
0: I love them too. I love these families we worked with, but it was so brutal to, to sit there, to, to put people through that. And from a parent perspective, you know, I have, I have a daughter now who's seven years old and is in music lessons. I would die if I had to sit there and watch other people's kids for that long <laughs> performing. So one thing we did from the get-go is we cut our recitals down to an hour so no more than an hour and you know and honestly the performing part of it of our recitals is probably 40 minutes totally. to that. so we get them in and out cycled through again it plays on what our parents say efficiency flexibility <laughs> you know they they want those things we used to assign our parents into recitals like assign families and say, you're performing at this time. Now we just list a bunch of times and allow them to sign up for whatever time they want. And that's cool. And we, as a company work to have the flexibility to have our teachers there to have our, our parents there. And we get it recital week as a, as a studio and as a company, it's hard. It's always so hard. And, you know, I think our last recital batch we did, we had like 90 recitals. For our students. And we, yeah, yeah, we totally. yeah, so we, it's just a lot. And so you ask a lot of your teachers, you ask a lot of your staff, but again, it's that experience for the parents that matters, right? You give them an awesome show, you give them a quick show. um You get, allow them to get up, go to the, go on to soccer later that Saturday and do whatever else they're doing, right? So putting them first on all of that. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on about recitals because I'm so passionate about it.
2: (laughs) Now, those are some nice tips. I love the idea of them choosing. If if your school model is the type of recital model where a student's not collaborating with another student, et cetera, I love that addition you made with the flexibility of them choosing the date, the time they want. That would dude, I know the Brooklyn parents here would flip over that if that was an option. Yeah. That's something It's not doable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to Daniel's question and maybe go over to the third bucket of business with systems, billing, back office. Are there any things that you're doing that are just really leveling up the experiences for a dad or a mom?
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds so dumb, but it, we we and not even dumb. It's just they're simple things, right? It's to build a great customer experience. Is it's not doing a bunch of hard things. It's doing a lot of little easy things the right way. Um, so for us, you know, early on, um, we realized as we monitored our phone calls, you know, that we kind of had, uh, too much going on for our, you know, our front desk at our studio. And so, you know, people would call in with questions or on our customer service line. Right. And we would mm-hmm. be missing phone calls and not totally. a ton of phone calls, but enough where it was like, okay, that's frustrating. I mean, I, I would think that, right? I'm just calling the, the studio down the street and they're not answering my phone. So yeah. we made some significant changes and I talked about it I think in the five for five, but in how you how we were able to relax a lot of things off of our front desk so that they can just focus on what's going on in the studio and ans- making sure that those phone calls are answered and that we're taking care of mm-hmm. Um, you know, with our our software, we try we found solutions that were have been awesome for for makeup lessons and for doing that because parents want that <laughs> and and i think it's a that's a probably we could i'd love to have others on here cuz i'm sure we could debate <laughs> the value yeah, totally of the, and i'm i'm definitely on that side of it where i'm like yeah we want parents want makeup lessons let's give them what they want um and i understand right. that some studios that's not the expectation you might be teaching Royal Conservatory, Cons- Conservatory of Music, you know, something really hard, high-end, and, and that might not be something that is the expectation there. But for our studio, it is. And, um, you know, finding, that, finding those solutions and working hard over the years to find that has paid dividends as we've gone down the line. Here,
1: I have a question. Yeah. How do you... Do you have a framework... Or do you have some internal compass that helps you know what would be a good change to make versus what would not be a good change to make? In other words, it is possible that you might get feedback from a number of parents. Oh, we really want this. Or you might get a piece of feedback from a a, a parent. And maybe unbeknownst to you, they're a disgruntled parent and they have a certain piece of feedback. How do, do you have some sort of internal compass that allows you to know what you should implement and what you shouldn't?
0: So true. I, I think, honestly, part of this is relying on your intuition, right? You own the business. And if you're the, you know, you're the owner, you're the CEO. And, I, and it's hard for me to say this because I feel like I have some humility here where I don't think I'm the man in our, our studio. We have some amazing people helping us actually do this far better than me but when you're in that position in that seat you see all aspects of the company better than anybody else right you you're seeing what's happening across the board better than anybody else and so you have to be able to make those decisions and decipher it Um, for us you know and, and maybe that decision making framework is I feel like and some of our greatest things have come from this, um, from some of the friction that's come, right? Um, makeup lessons, I'll go back to that. I mean, that's something I think that, especially when you have teachers who are employees, um, you know, how do you work that in where that you're honoring your teacher's time, but also honoring your customer and what they want, right? So hard. Um, so our framework is this is if it essentially is it a win-win for on because really i think a lot of these decisions come down and, and a lot of these policy decisions and how you operate come down to how does it affect your your teachers your staff who you care about who truly are number one um and then how does it affect your customers and so i'll use the example of makeup lessons since we were talking about it but when we made the decision that hey in our makeup policy is we do you're allowed to you're able to basically credit a lesson, bank a lesson for two lessons and they expire after 30 days. So you can never have more than two on there and they expire after 30 days. When we made that decision, um, we had to bring our teachers, we brought, you know, in some of our more seasoned teachers and talked about them, our teachers with the most students and talked and and figured it out. And eventually I got to the point where I was just digging through data and Um, what I was able to come up with and present to our teachers was, does it help retention? Would it help our retention if we offer a makeup lesson? And here's the cost, right? If if a student leaves, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me. I wish I did. Um, I want to say it was something like the average, I I was able to find that for us, the average time, half hour time block, um, on average from maybe three o'clock to eight o'clock on average, came available, I think it was like six weeks, for six weeks over the course of a year. That, and that's not necessarily to say a student dropped. They might have changed times or jumped around. But that, that, there was that availability on their schedule for six weeks over the course of a year. I was, I mean, when I came to them and said, okay, if, that, if we do makeup lessons, and let's say we improve retention in this area where they are able to stay in that time slot Maybe across the board, let's just say 5%, 10%. What does that equate to monetarily to you as a teacher? And once we're able to get to that point and see that, you know, Mm -hmm. just a small marginal improvement, but how could it affect their pay? um, For a lot of our teachers, it equated to being like, you know, four figures, right? Over a thousand bucks on a lot of these things over the course of a year that our teachers were like, okay, yes, we'll do this. We want this, you know? and. Thankfully, we we're able to get our teachers on board and understand that and love that part of it, um, and, and willing to, to. And honestly, it's a sacrifice on their part too to, to implement this for the hopes of greater retention. And for our obviously our parents, they are ecstatic, right, that we're able to implement something like that for them. So, mm. so go That's back a... to it. Yeah, it's kind of you. It's you kind of face those decisions of. of for us, we only do it if it's a win-win. On the teacher side.
2: Parents, you did a great job of defining the win. Who's winning? Yeah, (laughs) you weren't like the directors, the managers. Yep, you said the teachers are winning, they're the ones delivering the service, Mm -hmm. and the parents are winning. You didn't even mention the student, yeah, which is fascinating. Yeah, you know, um, I'm going to just circle us back because I know we're running short on time here, but. You opened with your definition of customer experience as being doubling and tripling um, or improved customer experiences doubling and tripling down on what customers love about you. And what I hear you saying, Brady, is number one, they wanted to know that they were getting more than just a music lesson. They're actually not necessarily enrolling at the piano place for the piano lesson, primarily. They're enrolling for a mentor and a life coach. And then they gave you very specific things. And it's in your mantra. You literally, your tagline is more than musicians. You know, number two, the parents said, we want flexibility. Am I forgetting a third?
0: Uh, yeah, I think efficiency was. Nice, list. efficiency
2: yeah. with, the, and with flexibility. So I think that is just beautiful how specific you are. Right in the in defining customer experience, and I'm just wondering, like, is there anything else you'd add? Like, you know, is there anything else that we're missing here that you want to sort of remind us around customer experience?
0: Yeah, I I have two things in my notes here, and I think this is Ah. applicable to everything. So we, um, there's there's a quote and. I hate to be cliche here and quote Steve Jobs like every business owner does. <laughs> no, <I haven't>. but <laughs> yeah. he, he said but regarding customer experience, and I think about it all the time is, um, in his case, right, was start with the customer experience and work back to the technology. I think about what yeah. Apple did and what they were able to do by starting with that. There's so many, I mean, in the tech world, there's so many technologies coming up, even today, right, where um, I think of AI, for example. I think the real winner of AI will be the person who's able to harness that into a really enjoyable customer experience that kind of teaches you how to use it. You see Microsoft doing that, you know, where they're implementing it to all sorts of things. But take that quote, you know, start with the the customer experience and work backwards to X, right? Start with the customer experience, work backwards to your policies. Start with the customer experience and work backwards to your teachers, to your pedagogy your administration and start mm. with that end point in mind and how you make those decisions. Um, the second thing is, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm an expert, but I think we're so good. <laughs> what I am an expert at is I'm great at copying <laughs> other industries and other things. You know, nice. there's so many, I can, I can track so many things that we've implemented as part of our customer experience that I've gotten just from being at other, you know, service oriented businesses. You know, for example, our, I went through that new student walkthrough that really came to mind for me when I, I my wife and I signed up for orange theory fitness and I right. loved how they treated us. I loved it. It was so awesome. That whole walkthrough and how they took their time for us. And there's 20 things I've taken. i love loved from orange theory. And they're amazing. Um, we, we decorate all of our rooms a certain way. And I got that idea from taking my kids to the, our pediatrician and seeing our really cool pediatrician and how they did certain things, you know? So yeah. there's so much out there to be absorbed and to be not necessarily copied, but utilized for your business that other businesses that are, you know, retail, customer service, facing businesses um, that you can implement into your uh, studio.
2: Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast was helpful to you, Would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.